Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Politicana. Today we are in episode 27 of Politicana. I'm with my co-hosts as always, Pratik and Nick. How are you guys doing today? Wonderful day. Great to see you both. Pratik's growing a little bit of facial hair. I like that a lot. Maybe one day he'll catch up to uh, my glorious stash, but it may take a few months. <laughs> hey man, I don't. I shave every week, so this is like a week of a beard. You've even had the same beard oh, for like God, the dude. last four weeks. So just imagine. Dear God. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time for me. We'll see. Yes, we'll see. And we have a great show for you guys today. We have a bunch of topics to be covering. Uh, but Pratik's going to kick us off with our first segment of the day. All right. So um, we're going to have our first segment of the day, which is quick bits and domestic hits. So our first thing that we'll discuss, um, and obviously these are going to be quick hits, is going to be Derek Chauvin found guilty of George Floyd's murder. So last week we talked a lot about George Floyd. We talked about, you know, the intensity of what went on and how Chauvin, we all felt, was somewhat responsible for the murder. But we needed to look into this in more detail and provide him with the benefit of doubt. Well, it went through the court case and um, the court, the jury decided that he was guilty of all charges and the trial has been one of the most closely watched cases in recent memory, setting off a national reckoning on police violence and systemic racism even before the trial commenced. Um, Chauvin was found guilty of unintentional second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. With only his eyes visible as the rest of his face was hidden behind a surgical mask, Chauvin watched as the verdict was returned. Judge Peter Cahill thanked the jury members for their heavy-duty jury service, and Chauvin was remanded into custody as the jury was dismissed. And, um, what is it? The sentence guidelines recommend 12.5 years in prison for a conviction on unintentional second-degree murder for someone with no criminal history, but prosecutors could seek a sentence up to a maximum of 40 years on that count if Cahill determines that they were aggravating factors. And again, Cahill is the judge that was in charge of the case. So overall, I think um, based on we talked about this a lot last episode, but what are your guys thoughts? Do you guys think this is a good ruling? And do you think that the jury made the right decision? Well, first of all, Pratik, the way you described him it almost sounds like Hannibal Lecter. He's got his eyes poking out. He's got the mask on his face. Like, sounds just... The way it's described, it's like he's painted out to be the bad guy. And frankly, he is in this case. I don't think there's any defense of what went on. I think, you know, as we were saying in the last episode, it was definitely a flashpoint of these things have been happening year after year. And it just took um, one pivotal event where, again, very clear video evidence showing... There was no like major brawl. There were no weapons drawn. There was there was really no reason for this to have happened. So I think I think it was a good uh, verdict and good decision by the jury. And actually, one of the former jury members, or one of the alternates rather, not former, um, she even went on and you know a bunch of people. I think this was on Fox. The main narrative was like, oh, of course they're going to vote to convict because otherwise there's going to be riots in the streets. But um, it's nice to actually hear from members of the jury and um, alternate members to say, hey, actually based on the merits of the case. It was very clear one way, um, as opposed to this whole grand narrative of, you know, how could you vote against it? So, yeah, I, I can't speak to the legalese. Like, I don't know exactly whether or not he should have gotten this conviction or that conviction. But I, all I could say is it's probably good for the nation that he was convicted to a certain degree. Um, I don't know how much time he's going to spend. The fact that it's only 12 and a half years for a minimum seems a little bit low. But 
you know, I guess we're going to have to deal with that. Um, hopefully this will uh, ease some of the riots, some of the protests. Maybe people will be a little more satisfied, even though I, I really don't believe that's the case. I've heard uh, some pundits like Ben Shapiro, for instance, talk about how the whole trial was kind of mismanaged and the outcome was not necessarily what it should have been. All Again, all, all I can say is it was probably the best case scenario for us as a nation. Well, dude, one thing I want to add is, I mean, riots and social response aside, I hope it just gets at i hope this is one of those events that sort of starts to change uh police training in that area i mean that district mm. I mean, what was it a couple of weeks later you had another death and i mean it just seems like sure it could be focused in that you know one particular district that one particular area but um i think again this just gets to situational awareness training and how you actually deal with these instances uh co-worker's friend of mine uh or sorry co-worker's husband uh is actually a former cop was a cop for decades and for part of his training, it was like, why do you not shoot people in the knee? Why do you, you know, shoot with intent to kill? And it's like, that's part of your training. And that's also part mm-hmm. of just how cops end up operating, where I think legally there there's actually, you know, some sort of loophole to say, like, you can get away with murder, literally, where it would apply to anyone else. But because you're a police officer in the light of duty, it's not considered it's not technically considered murder. Um, you're just doing your job. So hopefully this yeah, changes but training. You do want you do want to give uh, cops some kind of leeway. Oh, absolutely. Who's want, who wants to be a cop if their job's to basically kill threatening people, and if they're threatened, they kill someone, and they're convicted all the time? It's probably not good for the system. But uh, but I do agree. Yeah, with but you. I hope you at least think twice the next time something like this is happening. And we've had yeah. several deaths over the past couple of years of cops kneeling on people's necks. And of course, during mm-hmm. all those deaths, there's always some factor that comes out at the end of it, saying, "Hey, there was this complicating issue. There was something either." Um, a substance that they had imbibed that was inhibiting, you know, their ability to breathe or they were going into shock or there was something else going on apart from just the knee on the neck. But I think this has happened enough times. We've already seen this situation before. And hopefully, I I really do hope that this is one of those pivotal points, given its national media attention, that will sort of start to change that training. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. And the, I guess the final thing I would have to say, as far as police reform goes, I haven't I don't really hear people talk about specific police reforms they would like to see. Everyone says, I want to see more training, maybe uh, more funding to make sure they don't have these things happen. In my case, I'm pretty sure they need some kind of additional oversight, a a body separate from the police force policing themselves. You can't expect them to police themselves. For me, it just seems like a good first step. All right, well, let's move on to our next topic. All right, so the next topic is Johnson & Johnson vaccine is back in the mix. So... Obviously, if you guys can remember, on April 13th, the FDA and the CDC asked states to temporarily halt using the J&J vaccine out of an abundance of caution, following reports that six women ages 18 to 48 developed a rare blood clotting disorder. But the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices recommended on Friday that they can have the continued use of the J&J vaccine, so the U.S. health regulators lifted a recommended pause on the use of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine, giving state and local officials backing to distribute the doses again. So, obviously this is a good thing because, you know, they determined that there wasn't that much problems with this vaccine and they went through it and reviewed it and made sure that everything was safe. So yeah, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Otherwise, we well, can... so it is safe, but there is a margin of error, of course. And they did in, in the article mention that women under 50 should take some kind of precaution. They may have some issue 
uh, with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So as far as like the stock of Johnson & Johnson, it's probably not going to go up by too much because people are too afraid. If you're taking a vaccine off the market because of ill effects and you have other options available, it's very unlikely people are going to be rushing back to get the Johnson & Johnson one, although it is only one shot and maybe people will do that. I think it's good that they have a variety of vaccines out now with Moderna and Pfizer. So, I mean, regardless, like they have enough options and they're going to further look into these vaccines more before they continue their doses. So they'll be able to monitor them and make sure that there isn't any other side effects that pop up. Yeah, if you look at the side effect rate, it is still incredibly low. So there are these cases, but when you're providing vaccines for hundreds of millions of people it's probably it's gonna happen you know we gotta account for that we are in a pandemic we had to take severe measures and rush this through the fda but we took every precaution we could take and it's probably a good thing that we're all getting vaccinated now hopefully we could re return to normal life soon okay so nick do you have any final comments on this or we move on no i uh this may nick's like COVID bad. yes <laughs> no seriously it may shock you but i agree with both of you fully agree Okay, so the third story uh, and her final story of this segment is Caitlyn Jenner makes it official. She is running for California governor. So Caitlyn Jenner, obviously, you know, um, the former father and now the mother, technically, of the Keeping Up with the Kardashians family, um, is now um, decided that she is going to run for governor of California to replace Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom. So Jenner is a longtime Republican, um, and she has always she's she's always been very anti the Donald Trump administration, but has been well. Hold on, no, she was supportive of Donald Trump until 2018 when he came against the transgender thing. But that she was actually supporting him heavily up to that point. Okay, but what what the storyline saying is that um, in deep deep blue California, she's decidedly not branding herself as a Trump Republican, even as she's counting on some of the former presidential advisors to driver strategy so many of her advisor team that she's assembled has been part of the trump administration this includes tony fabrizio the top pollster on donald trump's 2016 and 2020 campaigns ryan Irwin, founder of red rock strategies and tyler deaton president of elijah allegiant strategies and she's also hired steve chunk a former Trump White House and campaign communications hand who worked on Arnold Schwarzenegger's successful 2003 recall campaign. So overall, like with um, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, she's received a lot of mockery from both sides of the aisle. The Trump side doesn't really is not really huge fans of Caitlyn Jenner. And they've been very critical about her. And then um, Bill Mayer also was on HBO talking about how he doesn't like how Caitlyn Jenner is running and he does he has problems with her and he even misgendered her and obviously the the cool thing is that she would be the first transgender governor of a of a state if she gets elected and she would be the transgender governor of the biggest state in the country and the funny thing about it is that she would be a republican so a lot of the democrats would have issues with that because it goes against like some of their you know core values that they've been trying to promote in the past recent years but overall like i think it's good that governor newsom is having a candidate going up against him but this would be another celebrity candidate that we've seen a recent you know influx of celebrity candidates and caitlin jenner would only add to the mix so what are your thoughts guys so California has been ripe for this stuff for decades. I mean, you had Reagan, you had Schwarzenegger, like celebrities running for a high public office in California. It's nothing new. Um, what's interesting about this is, well, 
one, I guess you could say the age. I feel like Reagan and Schwarzenegger were both a lot younger than Caitlyn is right now in terms of running. She's 71. She's pretty old. Um, just like a lot of the complaints have been leveled against both Trump and Biden of just being a bunch of old geezers. Um, I, th- I think the same kind of holds up. But I mean, on the other hand, like you're saying, where it's this social progressivism or at least um, definitely inclusivity with the transgender uh, as a movement, LGBTQ+, etc. I feel like that definitely lends a certain, I don't know, in California, I feel like it would definitely stick. Whereas in other parts, like, for example, in Alabama, I couldn't see that being a huge thing. Like if a transgender Republican ran in Alabama, totally different, I think, than California. I could be totally wrong. We'd have to look in the data on that. But I think the whole identity politics of it, um, particularly like you were saying, it does sort of fly in the face of, hey, if Democrats are really, you know, this uh, party of inclusivity, you know, wide umbrella, bringing everyone in together over this uh, broad rainbow coalition, then why aren't they running candidates like this? And I also think it's like you were saying with the whole Trump Republicanism, where she's painting herself in contrast to that. I would just wait. I'm going to hold my breath a little bit. I'm not sure what the what she's really going to say, because at least some of her initial statements really do reek of the same economic populism of and not reek. Maybe that's the wrong word because there's a negative connotation to there. But um, it's the same sort of economic populism of Bernie, of Trump, where it's, oh, these career politicians have disappointed you for decades. They've sold you out. They don't have your best interests in mind. We got to do something about it. Elect a, you know, elect a normal person to stand up for you. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the actual platform is. Let's so see what, what she what actually we know, says. But what we know so far um, in terms of her agenda is that she's all about cutting taxes, repairing the economy and fighting special interests in California's Democratic dominated policies. So that's what that's what the AP News story came out with in terms of her political positions. So and I understand that and it might actually work in California because I don't I haven't been to California. I just hear they've had a lot of problems in the past few years. They've had Democratic governors for a while now, so maybe they are looking for a change. I actually personally don't have anything against Caitlyn Jenner. She could be a very good candidate, apart from her, her being pretty old. The only thing I'll say is the celebritization of politicians, I don't think is a good trend for us. It seems to be getting bigger and bigger. It started with, I mean, it started a while ago. Maybe you could consider Ronald Reagan, but certainly with Trump and now with Caitlyn Jenner, it just seems like it's going to happen more and more and more because these people have the eyes, they have the views. So uh, people in politics are coming to them and saying, hey, you should run. You already have the views. You may as well be in office. And I, I don't think that's a good trend for us to have in America. But all in all, I think she would probably be a benefit to California if she were. Like well, that. technically, the first celebrity president that we've had, I mean, technically was George Washington. He was a celebrity. And we've always had celebrity presidents for the most part. I mean, if you want to look at the actual connotation of celebrity, even technically like JFK was a celebrity. How about like, like Dwight sure, Eisenhower sure. was a celebrity. You're right. and, Nixon was a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> and Kayla Jenner was uh, like an Olympic athlete. She, she pro- I think yeah. she even won. So like you got to give her credit for that too. So. But yeah, no, what, what I would add is um, the problems with a lot of the stuff, conversations that have been going on is they're very discriminatory. Like the irony is that they try to, con- they try to, you know, make a conversation about, oh, like Republicans discriminate against these people because of their race, nationality, age, all this stuff. But like 
the Democrats are doing the same thing with Caitlyn Jenner. If Caitlyn Jenner was a Democrat, they wouldn't be doing any of this stuff. Same way they wouldn't have been having that harsh treatment if Donald Trump was a Democrat. It's the same logic here. And, like, there's been Democrats that have come out that have even, you know, even, like, transgender people that are been activists have come out and said really negative things about Caitlyn Jenner because they feel like she doesn't care about the transgender movement and they've been saying this like isn't it strange for trans women to be a part in the party and like it's like you're they're talking about all this other stuff and like it kind of goes against their own message of inclusivity and the fact is that whatever people are whatever their age is whatever their religion is whatever their nationality is sexual orientation is like if your argument is that you need to treat everybody equally what 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 difference does it make if they're from a different political party and if that's it's not their argument their arguments if you have power and you don't agree with me you're wrong and you're evil for that and i gotta find a way to identify that so we'll use identity politics i'm just saying though it's like really hypocritical like if if, like, you know, if this was the other hand, like, let's say Donald Trump was like, oh, I, I don't want this person because of this person's blah, blah, and blah, they'd be like, oh, look at Donald Trump. He's so discriminatory. He's so racist, blah, blah, blah. And people like Bill Mayer are like the advocates of all that stuff. And then, like, whenever something like Caitlyn Jenner's, uh, you know, bid comes out, like, Kate, like Mayer is like the first person to pop on board to discriminate against Caitlyn Jenner because she's transgender and misgenders her. Like, this is the problem with all this stuff. Like, it's like all hypocritical. Well, I wouldn't be hopping on comedians. Look, comedians are just going to late night people. They have like 30 minutes. They get out their political shtick. That, you know, I wouldn't take those guys too seriously, but it's not just them. You're right. It's like the mainstream Democrats are basically coming out and flipping the script a little bit on their opinions on transgender people. Um, I think the, the problem is she presents the biggest problem she presents is you can't really attack her for identity politics. So like they're like, what do we even do? Yeah. We don't know how to argue rational policy. So how are we going to attack this person? We Our ammo has been taken from us. What are we going to do? And it's also- I don't know about that. I, I really don't think that there isn't any ammo here because, I mean, when you look at it, she's worth a ton of money. Her family is worth a ton of money. And one of the common trends we've seen throughout the society is that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, valid criticism of just the high levels of inequality that exist and have persisted over the decades. And I feel like when you're running as a very rich celebrity, that is plenty of grounds for the Democrats to at least. What about okay, Trump, Nick, Nick. Which, Every yeah, single ahead, politician that runs in our country is usually a millionaire or a billionaire or at least makes more money and is in the higher level income bracket than everybody else. That's, that's because right, but I'm... the winners of every election are the people that have the most funding and the most finances to begin with. So obviously, like, just because Caitlyn Jenner is a celebrity, the fact is that because she's a celebrity she's also more politicized because if she comes out as transgender being a lifelong republican and then you know decides to run for governor of california and this will impact her in many ways she didn't have to run for governor she could just be on keeping up with the kardashians and make millions of dollars compared to everybody else that's in, like in the Did, regular wait, world didn't she like kill a guy that's the one thing i think they'll get her for she definitely like ran into someone and killed them and like didn't suffer the repercussions i don't know Oh, gosh, dude. I think yeah, it's been a long time since that's aired. But no, Pratik. But, I, but it happened. And if you go into politics, everything, all your dirty laundry comes out. So I, I'm pretty sure that's going to come up. 
that's true that's a good point but uh, i mean just to counter that i think you were saying that there's nothing for or sorry you weren't saying this but you're saying that there's not as much or at least tyler was in terms of the identity politics you take that out of the equation and what's there to attack the other person on then you actually have to go after their ideas but i think one of the core ideas of the democratic party that's pushing today and actually even the republican party with tucker carlson and other talking heads are starting to espouse this economic populism to say hey, actually, Trump was talking about the same thing. So there's really not that much of a difference, I guess. But just wanted to say that from the Democrat platform, there's still plenty of ammo to go ahead and say, hey, this person literally embodies like wealth inequality in this country. Why? Like if you're running on a platform where you want to cut taxes for the rich, which I know we'll get to a little bit later in the episode, I feel like that's the entire Democrat ethos right now is raising those tax levels. So I feel like it's just getting back to that core struggle of Hey, do you raise taxes? Do you want more or less government? What do you want the what do you want the role of the state to be? And frankly, I'm kind of glad. I'm glad we're getting away a little bit from the identity and getting back to the core issues. Well, well, Caitlin's against special interests, so the fact that she is wealthy might actually be a plus. The fact that you don't have to be funded by people from the outside is, in today's age, Republican or Democrat, as far as I could see, a benefit. Because you don't have to be tied down. When you're Biden, you don't have to be against marijuana because you took money from pharmaceutical companies. That's a huge deal, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think that's good political theater. But to say that Trump was not beholden to any special interest just because he was rich, that's just a load of garbage. I'm not saying he. I'm, I'm saying the perception, though. Like a public sure, perception. Yeah, perception. I agree votes. with you. Perception. But that's I agree a UN election. The reality. All, I disagree. They all have some public interest, but the people that are not, are wealthier, they can decide which public interest they want to join and which one they don't. While most general political schmucks that run for Republican or Democratic politician candidacies generally are told by the RNC or DNC, "This is who you support. This is who you don't support," because you have to be a stooge for our party. Otherwise, we give you the boot. That's usually Dude, the case. I, as a closing thought, I really want to see this actually. I want to see her bid take off, and I want to see it go big. I want to see her being a front runner, and the reason why, I don't want the traditional, you know, I don't want the pharma lobby. I don't want the military-industrial complex. I want the tomato unions, okay? I want them to come out and back her, okay? I, I want those quality California tomatoes, and you know what? If she's beholden to them, so what? I love them. And the more, the merrier for me. See, I just hope that this doesn't cause like other controversies. Like the fact is that whenever there's a Democrat Republican candidate that comes out to run for anything, they start banning shows, they start shutting down shows, they start criticizing, they start criticizing other celebrities that are affiliated with the show, and it's so hypocritical. Like we have, we shut down The Apprentice because Donald Trump decided to run for president. Like just look at what Keeping Up with the Kardashians is one of the most popular shows in the country on that shows ending by the way and yeah no, no, no. kardashians is ending it's the final season oh okay just well i didn't for know whatever that. it's worth but Jenny still like me, watch so. them shut down <laughs> where they're displaying it. their shows and where they're providing where you know like people can stream the shows they do all kinds of stuff like that they shut down so many politicians because people that have that have been celebrities because they've celebrated they they supported the republican party and it's just like this discrimination identity politics all this stuff it's all like you know hypocritical on one end because if it was a democrat then they're like yo we should go all gung-ho about this but when it's a republican they have shows like saturday night live that are literally bastioning their whole philosophy which they've been all gung-ho about on the other side because obviously if you're a republican you don't deserve rights or you don't deserve to be able to run for anything and frankly if you are a celebrity then you should be shut down because you're supporting the wrong side and the democrats are the ones in power so your voice doesn't matter it's the way it is it's a good point good point 
<laughs> and with that, let's move on to our next segment. Uh, segment two today is foreign policy and beyond. And we're going to be start off talking about you, the Ukrainian and Russian tension that's been building up as of late. Uh, Russia had been uh, moving troops to the border, of course. So, Trump, uh, Pratik, you want to kick us off? Ukraine and Russian tensions have been rising recently, where Ukraine President Zelensky is ready for war with Russia, vows to stand to the last man. So... Ukraine has said that they are willing to take things to another level if Russia decides that they're going to and continue to put troops on their border and if their hostilities don't ease in any which way. So do you guys have any thoughts about what's going on between Russia and Ukraine? We had a whole episode on this basically, but I'm just curious if you guys have anything additional to add. Well, I'll say I, I believe after this article had come out, Russia be began to move some troops away from the border. I also heard the United States was giving somewhere around $300 million more million to defend Ukraine. So it seems like we're taking the action we should be taking at this time. I, I personally think the whole situation came about because Russia wanted to test everyone. He was testing responses, Putin specifically. And um, we'll see what happens. And for all we know, they could move the troops right back to the border and attack Ukraine and just go for it. And maybe maybe we won't intervene. Maybe the United States wouldn't be able to actually defend Ukraine to the fullest of capacity that maybe we should. Um, so I, I still think the tension's there, but I will say it's eased slightly from the beginning of the week. Nick, do you think that we're going to go to war with Ukraine? Or Russia's going to no, go I... to war with Ukraine? No, I don't. If things stay the way they are, no, absolutely not. I, okay. The biggest thing from Russia's perspective is membership in NATO and, you know, Ukraine joining the EU and the rest of it. That was sort of that's sort of a stepping stone to NATO membership. And so, you know, you've got other countries in the area like Poland joined NATO in the 90s. You got got the rest of the allies in that area. But I think, again, if Ukraine doesn't try to join NATO, I don't think anything's going to escalate. But if they do, then I could see something actually flaring up. Okay. But yeah, no, so I with that, I just feel like when it comes to Ukraine and Russia, like there's been a lot of talks that have been in place. There have been people that have started to have a conversation whether there's going to be a World War Three if Russia, I mean, attacks Ukraine. And obviously, if Russia is moving away troops from Ukraine, they're probably just testing the waters to see what would happen and how the public response would be from other countries. And Russia does that kind of stuff all the time. And if there was a war to actually happen between Russia and Ukraine, I have a strong feeling that the UN and NATO and EU and other forces in play would probably try to resolve some of their conflicts and make them compromise because we all know if Russia was to go to war with Ukraine, Russia will probably win. And like there's probably whenever wars happen nowadays, they all like create new boundary lines and they just like create new, you know, like diplomacy in some way that they're going to just compromise and figuring out what plan goes to where. So I don't think much will come from this. And I hope that Russia and Ukraine's tensions do ease so we don't see anything escalate to that kind of level. So apart from that, the second part of our segment is Biden recognizes the killing of 1.5 million Armenians by Ottoman Empire as a genocide. So I don't know if you guys have heard much about this, but originally in 1915 to 1917, when the Ottoman Empire, which was one of the largest empires in our world history, which lasted from the 14th century to the 20th century, 
um, was in play between during the World War One times, which after World War One the Ottoman Empire was dissolved. But bef- during 1915 to 1917, there was a rage going on in Turkey where they were killing uh, one. They killed 1.5 million Armenians. And this lasted for two years, and the whole world didn't really, you know, acknowledge that this genocide did take place, even though we all knew that this genocide did take place. And between U.S. and Turkish relations, this has been one of those talking points that has been avoided for many presidents. However, Biden was the first president to acknowledge that um, the Armenian genocide was an actual genocide, and he feels that you know, we need to go against some kinds of mass killings like this and prevent this in the future. And obviously this happened many, many years ago, but there's still repercussions from these comments that Biden has made now. So you guys have any thoughts? Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a really tough issue. As far as all, everything I've read said there was ind- indeed a genocide. I, I'm not sure if there's evidence for the other side, but basically everything I've seen says that there is a genocide. It was all about whether or not the United States should publicly announce the fact that this this event occurred that we all know occurred um the timing seems a little suspicious given the fact that our relationship with turkey is not the best at the moment i'm not sure it's benefiting us too much at this point to say something like this but ultimately i would want america to come out and say this is wrong you shouldn't do that i respect that i'm just not quite sure the timing was very good yeah and to the timing i think one of the main reasons why we've been allied with turkey for so long is a check against the russians in the ussr back when it existed And so with tensions rising up in Ukraine and that sort of area of the Black Sea, I think, again, like Tyler was saying, uh, just the timing of this is a little a little iffy um, just from a realist standpoint. But um, that being said, if you do believe in this liberal universalism where or universality of ideas where, you know, if something is a genocide, if something is, you know, human rights abuses, the rest of it, and you're making exceptions for your allies, then the sort of that universal truth of liberalism to apply all these concepts uniformly kind of fades away. And your own legitimacy, frankly, as a regime kind of fades back to say, oh, you promote human rights, you promote democracy. Okay, well, why do you attack China and then ignore all of your friends and what they did? So I think part of this is sort of giving a little bit more of that moral high ground to say, hey, we are going to call it like we see it. Um, Other people would point out, oh, you you know, don't really publicize what happened with the Native Americans and all the rest of it. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that comes in the next uh, coming months as the Biden administration matures and gets around some of those pivotal days. Oh, by the way, I'm sure it will, but I'm not sure it's going to be as effective. I think most Americans accept the fact that there was basically a, geno- a genocide of Native, Native Americans. So I'm not quite sure it's going to have the impact Turkey would want it to have. So I also want to add another um, side comment to this because we're talking about Caitlyn Jenner. So Caitlyn Jenner is married to the Kardashian family and the Kardashians are technically Armenian. So I think they got divorced, but they were married. Yeah, were married. So, you know, like Kim Kardashian or whatever, all their family, they're all Armenian. So those are that's like the main Armenian celebrity family that we can think of too so i just thought that was kind of cool because we were talking about caitlin jenner but the other thing um here is that with area how do you say his name again Erdogan. erdogan erdogan sorry erdogan erdogan has been like you know not really strong in terms of his alliance with the united states and 
Obviously, they're both NATO members, and there's a lot more stuff at play if something does go wrong. However, at the same time, like, America, I'm happy that we t start taking stances on some things. And just like we declared that Israel was an actual country and Jerusalem was its capital whenever Trump was there, this is also a good sign that, you know, we're recognizing things for what it is. And Armenian genocide did occur, and it occurred for two years, and millions of Armenians were killed. And the fact that America hadn't responded or said anything to this is really bad for how, you know, our global relations around these things. And if I was Armenian, I'd be really excited and happy that finally they received something. Because, you know, the country of Armenia has always been kind of, you know like controlled by the Russians or controlled by the Ottomans and they've been always fighting for autonomy and sovereignty in some cases and this kind of stuff is good because it gives the people that are Armenian something to be happy about and the fact that America is taking a stance and saying that something was bad when it was actually bad. Yeah and to Nick's point the fact that we're actually defending values is something I think America has been lacking uh, I don't know how many decades back but I feel like where Biden is finally coming out and saying, we're actually going to stand for a few things. And I can really appreciate that. But I still think the timing wasn't very good. Uh, but I actually think it goes back to a regime change conversation. It's like, you want to implement it in a way that maintains your values. And I th values are really important to me. I think it's important to show across the world that, look, we stand for something. Look at China. What do they stand for? Look at Russia. What do, we stand for something. We, so I'm glad that we did come out and say it ultimately, I guess. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, no, let's move on to our next segment now, which is Biden is back, baby. So Biden plans to double the capital gains tax. This has been like the main story of this week. Um, I still remember I was watching the stock market and knew everything was up. And then Biden says he's going to raise the capital gains tax and it went down really quick. So um, Biden focuses on capital gains tax as he seeks money for social programs. Biden um, has said that he is eyeing a capital gains tax to be close to 43%. Um, other things with Biden is obviously this has been one of those, you know, policies that was discussed during the campaign season. Um, Biden was called to be less liberal than some of his other counterparts that proposed something even higher in terms of a capital gains tax. But the compromise that he's proposing is to have something close to 43.4% to 48% somewhere in that ballpark. And currently the capital gains tax is 29% and this would be to the highest income earners. And with capital gains tax, obviously it impacts all of us, but the way they try to spin it is that it's going to impact the wealthiest people, but in the end, is it any type of tax like that trickles down to some extent to help impact everybody. So what are y'all's thoughts? I mean, obviously, I'm more anti-tax than both of you guys. So, Well, so uh, you have, first of all, you have to be making more than a million dollars a year to be affected by it. Otherwise, I don't think your capital gains tax is changing. Um, I would honestly, I would be in support of it if I had any faith that the government could spend the money properly. But I, I'm just not so certain of that. They say we're going to be getting 158 billion extra dollars a year, but I, I saw a recent stat that said we're losing maybe like 300, 400 billion dollars a year on uh, uncollected taxes. It just seems like I, it, as much as I would like for these programs to get money and do well, I'm just I just haven't seen proof of that. So it's very difficult for me to be optimistic. Although 
yeah, if you're making over a million dollars a year, maybe your capital gains should be higher. Totally get that. But let's use the money properly. Let's make it effective. And if that happens, I would be yeah, happy. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that logic. I feel like if somebody is making a million dollars a year, why make them pay more in taxes? They're already paying the most in taxes. And the fact is that when it comes to anything like the capital gains tax, you're trying to incentivize people that are wealthy business owners or in- incentivize wealthier people to invest in the economy. While if they're getting, if they had to pay that much in capital gains tax, you're only hindering the amount of money that they're willing to invest. And where else are they going to invest? That's my question. No, what are their alternatives? Capital like, gains I, I, that's tax, my confusion. Capital gains tax is in everything. It's not just like stock market. Capital gains tax, you had to pay a capital gains tax when you make any acquisition, whether you buy a something whether you buy a house buy like some type of factory or whatever or you sell some kind of you know major business or you're selling some kind of selling your stock is one of those things that like it impacts everybody and the fact is that whenever you start putting numbers on what why 1 million why not 2 million why not 3 million why not 400,000 what what makes these people come up with these random numbers and the fact is that if you raise the capital gains tax you're going to impact everyone because if their argument that democrats like to play all the time oh is that dem that you know wealthy people don't pay all the taxes then it's going to trickle down because somebody's going to have to pay these high capital gains taxes and what is the benefit of us having to pay all these capital gains taxes change other taxes why make it harder and disincentivize people from investing in the economy especially in a time like covid where people have less money people are less willing to hire employees people are less willing to you know do additional investments because they don't have as much money to begin with and on top of that now they had to pay a higher capital gains tax because pe- people are making millions of dollars well they've committed a crime because obviously you can't make a million without having to pay more in taxes and places like new york or whatever have like 54 percent capital gains taxes right now california has 56 like we're proposing things that are insane and i mean that's the proposals so can new york would have 54 percent in capital gains tax and california would have 56 so i don't know i just think that there's a lot more problems that come with raising capital gains taxes obviously you're disincentivizing economic behavior and whenever we're in a situation like covid what is with democrats raising taxes and then doing all the stimulus bills and then creating all these other new expenditures and then let's raise more taxes like when does this stop like slow down the economy make sure that we're able to you know provide as much money and help to the people that would need that need to get this help and instead of disincentivizing people from not doing business transactions incentivize people to do them because then you get more employment and then you get more economic growth so so what is my again like my question again is like where else are they going to invest the money are they just not going to invest the money are they just going to sit on cash yeah. i'm not quite that's sure what why happens. they disincentivize investing no, but that's, when there's not many alternatives but that's what happens tyler if you have a business or you have some if you have stock value in something and you have mo- a bunch of money in shares then if you have to spend more to sell that stuff or to you know do do additional expenditures with that stuff with capital gains tax then you're disincentivized from doing anything you're just going to sit on stuff and if you're in a situation where you're trying to boost up employment you're trying to boost up the economy try to get things back to normal what incentive what incentive do people have from having to pay a higher capital gains tax if anything is going to hurt the people that are in the poorest bracket the most because the people that are at the wealthier brackets are the ones providing these jobs that are helping out the people that 
that are in the poorest brackets. You're not accomplishing anything. If anything, you're just making it so that these people that are business owners or there are major investors are not going to invest. And that's just going to be a major hurdle on the economy. And they have like, all right, what was the point of all these stimulus bills then if you're trying to grow up the market whenever you're going to have capital gains taxes and things like these type of tax rates that are only going to put it down. All you're doing is you're just creating a neutral zone where you're not really helping or hurting the economy. We're just keeping it the same. So we're spending all this money, raising all these taxes, and we're in the same exact position that we were before. Well, Pratik, I granted, I'm I'm very out of practice on any sort of monetary policy, but couldn't you say that this is, in effect, a way of propping up the bond market to make it a little bit more attractive to invest? And the bond market completely dwarfs any any stocks that are being issued, like completely. The bond market is by far the biggest engine that people invest in. I mean, you're doubling if, the capital gains tax, though. Like, I mean, obviously, you're helping out. Yeah, the but bond you, that, market, that wouldn't but be realized not, if you're not accomplishing yeah, that anything. Yeah, but if the if the entire if the bill of goods that's being sold is that we have to have these broad based infrastructure plans where we are going to just dump billions, if not trillions, of dollars into these infrastructure projects, into these government run projects, which you know issue bonds and. If, if you were doing that, wouldn't you want to sort of incentivize people to actually buy into those bonds and sort of finance those projects? And I guess another part is how do you end up raising revenue to support those um, tax expenditures? And another way is through raising raising taxes and getting more, like you were saying, on the capital gains right now. 40% for a million, that does seem like a ton of money, especially when you consider that you know state taxes are lumped on top of that. So it's not like the end-all be-all. That's not the floor or that's not the ceiling yeah. it actually does go higher like you were saying which with each state adding on more and more so whether 40 percent for a million i mean to me it does seem a little bit high but uh like you were saying in terms of the number would be interested to know how they pick that one out so but, let me um, let me add more information to this before yeah, you continue go ahead. Hey, sorry so, sorry before pratik before you jump into it i just want to say i the number i wouldn't agree with the number but if there is an increase in capital gains that's smaller i wouldn't necessarily be as Hard against so, it. so this is what how it looks in a lot of these states. So my state in North Carolina, the current capital gains tax rate is 29.1%. This would be doubled to 48.7%. This is according to the tax foundation that was analyzing the capital gains tax plan. So then Florida... The tax foundation. Ooh. Yeah. So critique. Florida, I'm assuming that's a Republican think tank. Okay. But I'm just, I'm just trying to find stuff. So like... Obviously, Not that that's anything wrong. No, the okay. data could be very well correct. I'm Please just, continue. I'm just Sorry. looking at the data. So um, when it comes to New York, New York's current ta- capital gains tax is at 34.7%. This would go up to 54.3%. California is at 37.1%. This would go up to 56.7%. And even states like Texas, which is currently 23.8%, that would hike up to 43.4%. So my point is that like obviously like you want if you want to raise revenue and all this stuff this is not going to incentivize people that's the only point like why would i what what benefit do people get from you know like even this bond market stuff like you're only going to reduce the amount of investments that are going to go on if they're going to have to pay double the capital gains tax that they were paying before not saying capital gains tax doesn't really incentivize or disincentivize or anything that really goes on but if you double it it's going to have some major impact and obviously it's not just one state it's every single state in the country is getting a 40 percent capital gains tax some 
states like Texas have been 23, 24 for the past like 20, 30 years. Now it's going to be 40 just because Biden decided to show up to the front doorstep. Like this is all like doesn't benefit people. Like if you're worried about Do you think they can policy, negotiate it down though? This is what he's proposing. You don't think he'll they'll negotiate Dude, it down and try to get a compromise? What some, what compromises kind of have compromise? we seen recently? Democrats don't care about compromises. They're like the Republicans. We're all the same thing. Whenever Republicans were there, they had a majority. They just wanted to get everything done. Didn't matter what the Democrats felt. And the same thing is going on with the Democrats. There's been no bipartisan bills recently. Like apart from maybe the farm bill and now the recent infrastructure road bill, like there hasn't there's nothing really changes. All these politicians only get like five, six bills passed in their entire like two three years anyway so like or two years so like overall like i just feel like something like this is going to have more repercussions to actually hurt the economy than help the economy and it makes it kind of a waste of time to have all these big new tax bills and have all this road bill and then like you know create these all these other things like you know stimulus checks and all of this stuff to actually boost up the economy when you're only going to hurt it for the long term by raising the capital gains tax to be double than what it was before I don't know. I'm passionate about this. There's a lot of issues that come from this stuff because like you're only making it, you're not incentivizing growth long-term. It's just like a short-term way of thinking. You're going to raise revenues for a little bit and then everybody's behaviors are going to change and people are going to invest less. And that's going to make less employment, it's going to create less employment, it's going to create more like people unemployed. And then we're going to have to create a new stimulus check bill to help out these people that you hurt from the capital gains tax raise. So... And obviously what, it's going to pass the, because the Democrats have control over the House and Senate, so they get anything they want to get done anyway. It doesn't matter what people believe. Yeah, but even Democrats, I don't think would want, like even the moderate ones, everyone's invested in the stock market. A lot of them are making over a million dollars. Dude, so I, I, think about know. it this way. Whenever the primaries were going on, Biden was the, looked at as the most conservative member of the Democratic Party in that primary, apart from maybe Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. Okay, so in that whole thing, Biden proposed these capital gains taxes and they were like, whoa, this doesn't go far enough. We need to be more progressive. This isn't this isn't good enough. How are we electing somebody like Joe Biden, who's like basically a Republican to be the face of the Democratic Party? This is like undone. And then he had people like Bernie Sanders advocating for like a surtax and advocating for like these big rich tax plans and making all the rich people pay 70 percent, 80 percent of the taxes. But then they forget that like, OK, well, if somebody is that wealthy and they're going to have to pay all that tax, well, the people that are the wealthiest, if their argument is that they're not paying the right amount of tax and they're evading a lot of their taxes, why wouldn't they evade their taxes more? It's not like, you know, look at Amazon. Amazon has to pay all these corporate capital, corporate taxes. It's not like they started paying more corporate gains, corporate taxes after like the corporate tax rate went up. If anything, they quit paying corporate taxes. So Yeah, but capital gains is different. I'm not quite sure how you'd get around that as easily. Um but our tax system is definitely screwed up. I would love, instead of this, if we could just invest in trying to fix our own tax system and collecting the money we're supposed to be collecting, a lot of our issues would be solved. We would have the money there already, but, you know, it doesn't seem to work uh, like that. This is a, one of those things that makes me understand why I'm a Republican. Because what benefit 
does having a higher capital gains tax actually do to the economy? And just to make just a little bit more money, you're hurting every single person in the country. And because if the million people, like obviously there's a bunch of millionaires in the country, there might not be like really wealthy millionaires, they might have a few million, but those are the people that are the ones that are going to create jobs and help out the economy and boost up everything else for everybody else in the country. So if you hurt those people, okay, but, then why are they going to help anybody else? Well, you say that, but you also got to remember in coronavirus, we lost like, what, 40 million jobs. Like people are yeah. all unemployed so and let's the economy still hit all-time highs. The economy hit all-time highs and we had 40 million people out of work. What does that tell you? There's some gap of inequality that needs to be fixed. So whether you go about it by raising taxes or collecting money another way, it has to be fixed. We can't have – just because the economy is going up does not mean everyone's being helped. Like it, no, it really just doesn't you mean look that. At I understand way, anyone can invest. I get that. But you look at it this way. If you're worried about wealth inequality, if you raise the capital gains I'm tax by worried. double – then how is that going to help the wealth inequality gap? It's only going to raise it. It's only going to make it no, worse. It's... Okay, how is it not going to make it worse? No, it's not, dude. All right, so I agree with you that, you know, logically it does it does make a lot of sense that if you end up raising taxes on investing in innovative technologies where people become more risk adverse because, like you were saying, you're raising that barrier to entry, the returns are less, so it's like, why do I invest in Joe Schmo who has some you know, new patent on some design as opposed to investing in someone where there's a lot less risk involved. I know I'm going to get a good return, the rest of it. I, I get that part of it. But in terms of what you're saying where it doesn't reduce inequality, it absolutely does because it's not being applied across the board. It's just being applied above that threshold of a million dollars. So, I mean, de facto, you are targeting that higher end of the income range to bring it down a little bit. Okay. So, I mean, if you are a if you are an employer that is making that has more than a million dollars and are the ones that are the ones employing these people, then what is your strategy if you raise the capital gains taxes by double in some states like Texas, where obviously in some states like New York, California, they're already paying higher cap high capital gains taxes. So it's not going to change everything. But in some states like Texas, which do have a lot of people and do have a lot of jobs and do have a lot of unemployment and do have a lot of people struggling right now because of COVID, what incentive do employers have that are over this million dollar bracket that are the ones that are actually creating the jobs? Because it's not like the government's giving them money to make jobs. That's just Amazon and Walmart and all those billionaire people. But the regular people... They can't make more money without investing it. Like, wh what do they do? They yeah. can sit on their money for as long as they want, but they're going to invest it. That's what you do with money. Okay. So I'm not... But again, if, if you, I saw an alternative, I would agree with you, but I don't. But if you I don't have see to another double way. it... Where else are you going to put your money? Bitcoin? You're still going to pay. No, but you're doubling it, though. You're doubling it from 20% to 40%. We don't. You don't understand. And again, the I I agree with this. Like I, dude, I, I agree with the number. It's already little... hurting this barrier to entry. It's already restricting, changing up behavior. And obviously, in order to raise, the, you know, fix this inequality gap, you're making it so that the people that are would be the ones actually in the process to actually reduce the inequality gap have less incentive to do so. Yeah, but they fundamentally disagree with that premise, though. I mean, I totally get what you're saying because that is the Republican idea: is you need to invest in the private sector that's what drives innovation that's how you expand the economic pie for everyone if those people aren't creating jobs like you said then no one ends up advancing as a society that makes sense however the democrats and other people would disagree with that and say no it's not only millionaires who create jobs you can you don't have to have uh, granted like 
Oh, gosh, dude, we're going to get <laughs> yeah, into yeah. this whole thing. Because, like, uh, this touches on so many different parts of society, and it really is interesting. And like you were saying, I think all of us agreed that the number at face value seems too high. But there's that fundamental yeah. disagreement on how do you drive economic growth, and is it purely investment into through private capital and you know, the free enterprise system, or is it actually, no, never mind. Now that I'm saying that out loud, I feel like Democrats would say, no, we still have the free enterprise system. We just have more checks in place. And, you know, we raise taxes a little bit on the big guys. And then, yeah, I, oh gosh, it's, dude. it's, it's super point, complicated, dude. but they, they would disagree with you. That's all I'm saying. Is I know. They would see it fundamentally and is, differently. And this is why people that are part of the economic cycle that are willing that are wanting to like create a business and go through all this process don't vote democrats there's a reason for it and obviously like they use this as like their talking point they're like oh we like to raise the taxes on the rich rich people are all bad everybody that's rich is bad for the economy we're all horrible people because we're rich but like the thing is that if it wasn't for these people that are making money then they would not invest. And if they don't invest, then what is your alternative? Your alternative is not government just creates jobs for everybody and everybody lives in peace and harmony because somebody has to finance those things. And who are the people paying those taxes? The wealthy people. So what are you doing? Just making it worse and less incentivized to them for do stuff? My, my incentive to create a business, it doesn't have to do with that, though. It doesn't matter. If I want to create a business, I'm not going to not do it because I pay more tax in this regard because it's unavoidable. I, you can't like how do you get around capital gains tax i know you can get around corporate tax and all different kinds of tax i don't see how you get around capital gains but tax. doesn't that mean that i should complain about it doesn't i mean if you are against something and it is going to impact you in the long run then why would you just sit there and just take having to pay a higher capital gains tax just because you make a million dollars well and like again if i was confident the money could spend the, this is why i'm not a democrat if i was confident the money could be spent properly I would be gung-ho for this, but I'm not. The reason I'm opposed to it is not because you pay more capital gains. It's because the money is not going to be used properly. That's my only issue and with this. My, my only thing is like, it doesn't, I mean, look, you're trying to create, what is this going to do? Is it going to create more money for the social security system and the welfare programs in our country? I think capital gains tax, Biden's main issue with it was he wanted to raise it so that we have more money in social security. The whole problem with all that premise is that obviously, you know, the people that would be the impact would be impacted the most would be those people that are going to get benefits in the future. But obviously, like, how do we know what's going to happen in the future? How do we know we're going to have enough money to pay for any of this stuff? But why not do this stuff after COVID finishes and after all this whole scenario and maybe like two, three years down the road when Biden's running for a re-election and then he's like, oh, I had to come up with some new strategy. Why didn't he like do this stuff then? Why do this in a time where we're still in a recovering phase? Half the country is still facing problems and this would only add to the current problems that we're facing because it's just going to make it worse for the people that are like you know have some kind of middle class type system in our country because obviously like million is not that much like you you're can right, have yeah, a million and that doesn't mean that you're like some you know really well, wealthy a million person a in year country. it's not just owning a million in assets it's you made a million that year and it's only on top of the million so it's not applied to everything it's just any unit above that certain threshold uh, yeah critique, do you believe in a flat tax yes Interesting. See, I, that's where we disagree. I believe in an incremental tax system. I don't think that on people, the I don't think people should be having to pay so much more in taxes because they make more money in their country. 
Like everyone should be treated equally. And if you were to make it so that the people that are the wealthiest people in the country are making, you're having to pay more taxes, you're disincentivizing those people that are the wealthiest in the country to actually provide the same amount of taxes and they have more access to safe havens. I don't see the disincentive. I don't see them. Do you think Warren Buffett's like, oh, fuck it. They're raising the tax guys. We're out of stocks. We're just, we're going to hang on to our buckets of money now and look at it. But and they do. You're not realizing that. And when taxes do happen, the people that are wealthier, they have a lot of different things that they can do to evade the amount of taxes that they're paying. How totally. what do all these billionaires do? They create all these charities so they don't have to pay all this money in taxes. What is the Bill Gates Foundation? Said we should fix what the was tax the Trump system. Foundation? Yeah, totally. Warren Buffett is totally. one of those people that likes to advocate for all this stuff about, oh, we had to pay more capital gains tax because look at us. I'm wealthy, so I need to pay more taxes. But in the end of the day, those are the people that are just making it worse for everybody else because they're not paying that tax. So all you're doing is you're just making it so the people that are in the lower income brackets and the people that are middle class end up paying more taxes than the people that are wealthier. And the, it's great for the politicians because obviously the great politicians and the wealthy people that they are, they're not having to pay all their taxes because they know certain ways around it. And the people that have fancy accountants and people that have the people that they need to know are not going to pay all those taxes in comparison to pe the regular people that don't have all those avenues. So, Pratik, it's flat tax, and they're already, by your own logic, they're already paying way less than they should. So, I don't understand no, like, but why. If you have a because flat it closes tax. loopholes. That's the idea, Tyler, is that it closes loopholes. Pratik, have you ever met Art Laffer? Yes. In, in person, <laughs> in the flesh? No, seriously. I haven't met him, but the but thing I've is, read about even him. though. Look, dude. All right. So the whole thing yeah. with Laffer Reaganomics trickled down, like all that stuff, like when you hear it and there's no data whatsoever provided, it all seems very plausible. Trickled down economics. We tried it. It did not work as intended. And just even even if a flat tax were to somehow broaden the base and make it so that one, you close those tax loopholes, you're getting more tax dollars, even though, like you were saying, it's not that um, not that progressive income tax. It's just flat. Um, by closing the loopholes, uh, essentially, you're supposed to get more money because people can't get around it. But I think it's just politically naive because how, dude, how in the hell are you ever going to sell to people that taxing the rich hurts the poor? That will never work politically. It's just, I don't think that's a winning, a winning statement. Okay, but I mean, doesn't say it doesn't happen. Like, obviously with the flat tax, like it's more simple. If you have everybody having to pay a certain rate, and doesn't matter what your income is, you're gonna get generate a lot more revenue. Obviously, it's gonna hurt the poor, rich a lot more than it's gonna hurt the poor, even if they like to say that it's not progressive, because if the rich people are paying 10% of their income and the poor people are paying 10% of their income, obviously the rich are having much more money than the poor people, so the rich people will end up generating more revenue. And in the end process, this would disincentivize evasions, this would disincentivize other problems from going on, and the big biggest benefit that will come from it is it will raise the actual revenue that you're generating that isn't being generated by the income tax which is hurting the rich more than the poor like that's how they rate that's how they provide it in the progressive system because you're having a lot less loopholes you're having a lot less problems you're making sure that everything is credited for and obviously it's not it's not benefiting anybody because if you're if you are wealthy then you have accountancy you can go to that can write off stuff and make sure that you're not paying the same amount that you should be paying while the poor people don't have that aspect to them anyway. But in the flat tax system, if everybody's paying the same rate, then everyone's treated equally. 
This should be the democratic platform. You're trying to promote equality between all the people and reduce wealth inequality? Well, people will have more money and then they will be able to spend more and they will be able to make more out of it. But if you're raising taxes on the wealthy, then they're not going to create more money or they're not going to create more jobs for you. And in the process, you're going to create all these welfare programs to try to, you know, you know, counteract all these problems that were created from you having a high income tax in the first place. The, the biggest problem for me is automation and uh, income inequality. Societies with greater income inequality are less stable. That's why we're seeing riots today. Like, this is why it's all economically based. The people at the lower end of the spectrum are not able to get, like, anything. So we need to account for these people somehow. Whether that's paying through social programs or trying to find work for them, we need to account for it somehow. I just... I'm not saying get really, rid really of fear- social programs, but, though. But look, you look at Facebook trillion dollar company whatever they don't have that many employees like you don't need a ton of employees to run these giant tech companies so the concentration of wealth is getting tighter and tighter and when that happens what do we do to resolve that what what do we do uh, to stop the progression of income equality uh, that's destroyed our middle class because the middle class used to be the foundation of america it used to be the american dream and now it really barely exists anymore but see your wealth inequality argument right if you raise the minimum wage to $15, what are you going to do? You're going to create more wealth inequality. If you raise taxes to a higher extent on certain individuals, then they might not be investing in the economy. So that's also going to create more wealth inequality. And the worst part about it is that if you, in the whole argument of wealth inequality, that if there is issues where people at the bottom of the class are not able to get the same levels of education, same levels of, you know, certain things that makes it so that they're able to improve their system and have some social mobility. Well, if they can't afford education because cost of going to school is all expensive because you have to spend all these other taxes and schools have a lot more costs, then, you know, they're not really accomplishing anything. Everything is going to go up in price. Minimum wage going up to $15 is only going to mean that people that are structurally unemployed people people that are not I, I didn't say anything about the minimum no wage. no i know I, but it's all connected all no, of this stuff because that's a band-aid fix i get that but the capital gains tax i'm not quite it's also sure a I'm, again i'm not fix. sure you, you can write off your losses but you i'm not sure how you avoid capital gains tax maybe i'm not a tax guy i obviously there could be some way but i'm not quite sure how you how you get around it but so well, I, there's that's why i'm more confident in the capital gains around tax with any of these higher taxes and people that are wealthy have certain accountants that they can make sure that they can find ways and loopholes so they don't have to pay their tax. This is the whole problem with the corporate income uh, But tax. why wouldn't they do it anyway? Why wouldn't they because do now, it right they're now already to doing the same it, degree? But now it's going to be much worse and they're, it, the people that were paying taxes properly now have another incentive to not do that because you're basically crippling them to a higher extent and you're giving them more ammunition to go out of their way to try to find something so they don't have to pay all these taxes because so why they have would to be they... more illegal to get around these causes and we're supposed to accept that and think we're not going to be able to target these the people solution? and see how much fraud they're committing what but is it is like, dude tax fraud gets caught all the time usually securities usually, fraud happens no, all the time that, you're looking at it as extreme most of these people that are really wealthy have certain assets that they can write off and try to make stuff happen in a really legal way. It's not like they're doing anything illegal. If you move money offshore, you're not really doing anything illegal. You're doing things that are legal. You're just moving your money to another country where you also may have domiciliary status if you are a major company like that or you are a major investor like Warren Buffett. You're not doing anything illegal. 
all you're doing is you're following the same laws and the same system. And if anything, you're hurting the people that are following the system properly because they're not too stupid because they follow the system. You're not changing anything. I agree with you. I, I just don't know why it's it's changing that at all. It just seems like the same scenario, except people are accountable for more money. I mean, obviously, the more more tax rates that you raise... It's only going to hurt. It's only going to reduce the amount of revenue that you're going to make. If you raise income tax or you raise capital gains tax to a higher extent, the people that are at the top of that wealthy income bracket are the ones that you're trying to get the most tax collections from. They're the ones that have more easier leeways to not have that. But in that process, people that are not in that wealthy bracket, people that may make a million out of the million dollar capital gains, you know, structure that's in place, they're the ones that are at the lower end of that million side are the ones that are going to get more hurt. What are you trying to do? Make it so that the people that are like getting wealthy have no incentive to become wealthy? The thing is the timing of this stuff sucks because if your whole issue is you're trying to raise the amount of revenues that are in place and actually improve the economy, why not do it until after COVID finishes? Why do it when you're in the recovery phase, when you're 85% of the way there of recovering, and now we just go back to where we were before? Because then we have a new stimulus check that can bring up. I think the biggest irony of this whole thing is the fact that it wasn't even announced by the White House. It was reported by Bloomberg. Some reporter got a scoop saying, hey, this is coming. And not to say that their scoops aren't accurate. A lot of the times when reporters say like, hey, this is coming, it's true, it's coming. But- what I find so ironic about the whole thing, he didn't even say anything. It, it's literally just like a reporter says this and then everyone loses their stuff. And even Bloomberg then like the funny thing to me is the business model where they go ahead and they're like, all right, our reporter says something. It's a rumor. It could happen. They send it out. They get all this market, all this market movement, and then they report on it. And they're like, according to a report by Bloomberg, the markets did this, reports Bloomberg. And it's like, wait, so you guys did this whole thing? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But they're, they're, Isn't guys, that crazy that how like news outlets can like manipulate the market? They could have oh, bought low after selling high. Like, Dude, that's the entire know. point of all these CEOs going on shows like Squawk Box or any CNBC program. Oh, yeah. Don't program. listen to any it's of like, these you're guys. Just, you're just pumping it up. Yeah, that's A, it's the role you're going to play. And if you say anything yeah. too out there, they'll just uh, kind of cut it. Unless it is, they'll live. tell you to buy. They won't tell you to sell. Real notice that the market's all rumors. People, people sell the news in the market. Like some good news happens, but they was anticipated. People will sell it off. the The short term movement of the market is largely noise, and you got to remember that whatever happened because Biden said something is not going to matter in a few months. No one's going to remember. It's not going to really have impact at the long term trajectory of the market. And to be honest, during this conversation, I was kind of playing devil's advocate. I would not like to see a capital gains raise, but I do see the I, I see why people would want that. Uh, um, and if there were if they were to raise it, maybe like twenty five, even maybe thirty percent, I wouldn't be as angry. But forty percent is just absurd to me, and I don't think it'll pass. That's why I'm not like so upset about it. I think that's all for the capital gains tax. I think we've talked a lot. Sorry about my rant. I know I went on for a bit, but I was really passionate about this topic. But yeah, now, now let's move on to a less passionate topic that I didn't really think was that funny, but they decided to put it on the news because everything Biden does is supposed to be hilarious when he's stu when he goofs up. But yet another Biden gaffe of the week. This was Biden accidentally said saloon while talking about hair salons in the latest televised gaffe on Wednesday. 
So he was he was talking about hair salons and talking about, um, you know, how he wants to open them up. And then he accidentally called it Saloon because Saloon is like a bar. And, and, and Biden was a cowboy back in 1832. So that's probably where he's getting it from. <laughs> what are y'all's thoughts? Like, I feel like they, they come up with stupid things like this. Like, what makes no, this well, funny? For like, me, I, I don't like, know. We're calling it a gaffe because we actually just have a segment, Biden gaffe of the week. But they're going to pick on the president for whatever he said. He, like, we, he might have some kind of dementia. We've seen him slip up before. This was such a close slip up that, you know, I, I think nothing of it. I don't think this is anything Did, big at all. The guy fell going yeah. up the but, like, stairs I would rather, three times. You should like, focus that's funny. on the like, real gaffe. You know what I mean? Like, focus on the shit that is just like, oh, my God, this guy's my president. That's what I want to see. But this is small time. Like I said, Biden's super old. You can make fun of him. Saloon. Like, who even says saloon anymore? But still, like, you know, we'll have the conversation here. Politicana, why not? <laughs> Your thoughts, hey, Nick? dude, we'll walk in, slam a few shots, start talking about a flat tax, tax rate, and then yeah. uh, shoot out at noon. So, hey, I think it should be the way that we end up uh, resolving our differences. Imagine how much work would get done if we went back to the old Wild West way of doing things, where it's like, imagine like Nancy Pelosi and uh, Mitch McConnell going at it over a bill, and then they're like, all right, time to throw down the gauntlet. Let's get serious. They step out. They have a little sword fight. Not a I sword like fight. A they have a duel with guns. You, like this happened. Like a few hundred. I think we should have more political death matches where either you're in an MMA ring or you you draw and shoot each other. But these politicians need to duke it out in front of everyone. Like it's the Coliseum. Dude, I feel like that's where you would really, you know, wear your wear your ideas on your sleeve. Where it's like, are you really that serious about the bill? We're Can you go imagine right Trump versus Biden this. like a boxing ring? Oh my God, I would pay I would pay hundreds of dollars to see that. <laughs> I don't even think they could get up the stairs either of them. Yeah. So I don't know about that. Or go down the stairs. Trump just like takes a seat, <laughs> eats a Big Mac, get my energy. <laughs> Joe Biden's like, are we in the saloon yet? <laughs> Yeah. No, apart from that, I think that's all we got. So, Tyler, do you have any uh, final no, comments? No, that's about it for this week. Uh, this is episode 27 of Politicana. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Uh, for those interested, we actually have a link in, this, in the description below where you can support us. Throw a few bucks our way if you want to support the show. If not, we're happy to provide the content regardless. Uh, but otherwise, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Take care.